Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Hi there. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things. So, Craig, what's good? Um, I'm going to be short. My wife ran a half, half marathon this morning. Somehow. Wow, good on her. And keep in mind, she started running about six months ago. And she already completed her first half marathon. Wow, really good on her. Yeah, that's super impressive. It is. I I don't think she's going to go much further than this because this was uh, quite an experience, but who knows? Yeah, the half. Mentioning that she was working towards that in a previous good thing. Yep. Yeah, the half marathon was the pinnacle of my running career. Like, it, it never got further than that. Yep. It's it's tough. I can't even imagine running a 5K, and maybe eventually I'll get to at least join her when she does that. But we'll we'll see. It's tough. So kudos to all of our runners out there. I'm convinced that I could walk a 5K at least, but I don't know about half marathons. The most I've ever walked in one go was. I think it's probably like 10 to 12 miles. But no, yeah, it was 20. Adding yeah, running 20 to that is, is way, way more intense. It is. Yeah. I've definitely walked at least a half marathon before, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not into running. Uh, all right. So Dave, your good thing this week is not running. My good thing, I'm just going to go into the archives and pull out a classic, and it is the album. It was a brand new album for 1990, They Might Be Giants. Brand new album, Flood. I'm sorry, I ruined it. A brand new record for 1990, They Might Be Giants, brand new album, Flood. But what else might they be? They're not something else in the snow. Or no, they might be something else in this out. You're right. Um, all right. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Since you don't want to talk about the album, just mention it. Oh, you guys, let's talk about it. Uh, you might know, if you're old heads like all of us, you might know the, the popular songs on that album are Particle Man and Istanbul, not Constantinople. I know that from Tiny Toons. Popularized by Tiny Toons, (laughs) which actually was the reason my brother bought that album when we were kids. Uh, My favorite song on the whole album is probably We Want a Rock. Probably my favorite off that album. I I think I was just listening to it one day many, many months ago and added it to the list of future possible good things for when I couldn't think of a fresh one. And it's it's a classic. It's really good. Cool. Uh, so my good thing this week is Borderlands 3, which is the fourth Borderlands game 
fifth if you count the Tales from the Borderlands game games. Not sure how to classify those. Uh, anyway, it just came out this week. Um, That's it, the only ad I get on Twitch anymore. Uh, just came out this week. The Borderlands games are my favorite Diablo. Um, I do not currently have the ability to play this game, but I'm working on it. Uh, I have been watching a stream, so I'm going to give a quick shout out to Peebs here, who has taken a break from his normal um, playing through every Super Nintendo game ever made, and is just pounding through uh, Borderlands 3. He started with the Punch and Siren, Amara, and it's been a blast to watch. What I've been able to... I've had a fairly busy work week since the game came out, so I haven't had much time to watch the stream. But what I've seen looks great. I have a question. Yes. When you played the game in the past, have you played them by yourself or with friends? Solo. Almost exclusively solo. Interesting. Because I tried it, and I could not get into it. I love Diablo and other roguelites, and I just couldn't really get into it. I, I, it wasn't bad. It was just it was just sort of, eh. Are you um, garbage at shooters? And it shooters? was even worse. Order. What's that? Are you just garbage shooters? at shooters? No, I'm fine. Okay, and I, I am garbage at shooters. I am totally garbage at shooters. I'm so bad at shooters that one time I played Halo with a friend and he beat me with his feet. Okay. <laughs> um, so I am also oh, garbage at shooters. And the solution to that is you play Borderlands 2 and you play the character of Gage, who has an ability that when you miss and it rico- and your shot hits something, it ricochets off about half the time, and goes into a nearby enemy. So, you have an auto-aimer. Okay. Well, so, so I think the game is impressive looking, like the, the way it makes you feel um, is, is, is sort of its appeal, and I guess it just didn't work for me, because I tried Borderlands 1, I played it for a bit. Borderlands 2, I played it for even less. Um, however, I was watching Co-Carnage play the Tales from the Borderlands, and that actually intrigued me enough to make me want to play Borderlands 3. For some reason, that game made me want to check out because there's a there's a world, there's a story there, and it makes me intrigued. So I don't know if I'll try Borderlands 3. Um, we'll see. Um, if I guess you're um, blah, I was going to say something. Oh yeah, if the gameplay doesn't really work for you, um, but you know. You, you care about the story and the plot and all of that, then just watch a Let's Play of it. Yeah, I've been watching, again, Co-Carnage. He also started, and a number of other streamers. It's oh yeah, there's, there are tons of streamers who are playing this. Peebs is just a friend, and I enjoy his normal stream. And yeah. Unlike a couple of like first-day release games that he has played, we didn't get a thousand screaming maniacs in the chat, so that was nice. Uh, so, Tori, what you got? In my capacity as a children's librarian, I came across an adorable picture book that you guys need to go check out from your local library. It's called Read the Book, Lemmings, by Amy Dykeman. <laughs> it's adorable. So, there's this fox on a ship. It, his name is Foxy. And he's reading a book 
And and he says, huh, fun fact, it says here, lemmings don't really jump off of cliffs. And there are these lemmings on the boat with him. And they're like, what? Cliffs? Who said something about jumping off cliffs? We're going to jump off the boat. Geronimo! And then they go overboard. And he has to rescue them. And he's like, no, no, no. You don't jump off of cliffs. You need to read the book. It says so right here. But every time he says the word jump, they're like, what? You said jump? And they jump. And <laughs> and then he has <laughs> to rescue them. And, and he just keeps trying to get them to read the book so they'll quit doing the thing. And yeah. And the illustrations are adorable <laughs> and the livings are adorable. And, and I laughed. So I'm going to use that one for story time and the kids are going to find it hilarious. That does sound really freaking cute. Is also, there... Amy Dykeman has blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> really Doesn't she look like a fairy? Like, it, yeah, her her <laughs> author profile on Goodreads is like, uh-huh. Uh, Tori linked this just now, and I had to check out some of her other books. And I just, Boy Plus, I've been reading some of the synopses. Boy Plus Bot, Wolfie the Bunny. And yeah, probably, Wolfie the Bunny is amazing. I love Wolfie the Bunny. Probably my favorite out of just reading the synopses. You don't want a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, that one's good too. <laughs> I want actually kind of want you don't want a unicorn. <laughs> well, you know what? I guess my good thing is actually Amy Dykeman. So there you go. Cool. Um. So Dave, you read a little bit more of Warbreaker this week. Oh, yeah. Gotta read Warbreaker. You heard it here. You gotta read it. You really actually do. It's it's so good. I've only read seven chapters plus the prologue so far, but I like it. It's it's been interesting. Uh, And we read this week chapters four, five, six, and seven. Well, that's all of them. Let's get started with chapters. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't you say that we jumped from six to thirty. <laughs> no, but we didn't. You want me to lie to everybody, our listeners? Yes. Fourteen divided by two. Chapter fourteen divided by two. Uh, all right. Chapter four. Siri arrives in to tell her, high peace priest Trelides, lifeless gray soldiers. Cousin Billy was returned for a week. Surprise! You're married! Alright, chapter 5. Surprise, you're married. Yep, so Siri arrives in to tell her, and she's going through the procession, and she sees all the soldiers, and they are what they call lifeless. They don't have any color to them. And that point is also brought up, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is explicitly stated up to this point, that lifeless is not the same as the drab the people that had their color, their uh, breath taken away. These are some other thing that have yet to be explained. And, oh, by the way, I came up with the perfect allegory for breath this week. So, breath is kind of like a cell phone. Everyone is born with one. You can technically live without it, but can you really call that living? Wait, but... But what about the person who owns, like, 500 cell phones? They have a lot of computational power. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I wasn't paying attention. I was busy texting. What What was that again? <laughs> <laughs> what happened was my phone broke, and I haven't gotten the replacement yet. So, so, so you're a drab. <laughs> I'm a drab for another couple of days, unfortunately. 
They got to FedEx your breath. <laughs> I hope it doesn't come in a whoopee cushion. Oh. All right. So we also meet High Priest Trilogies. I don't remember what he's the priest of. I read that yesterday. He's the high priest of everything. He's the high priest of the God King. Uh, okay, right. He's the high priest. We meet another character later on who's like his clerk. Yes. All right. So, yeah, he's the high priest of the God King. And Siri is just... We get to see some of the stuff we've already seen, but from the perspective of somebody from... Uh, North Mountain Town. <laughs> Adrian. Adrian. Idris. Idris. Uh, we get to see things from the perspective of an Adrian. Uh, so, yeah, they have returned here in Halandrin. But the way she sees it is that they are stealing people's souls every week. Uh, so... She has, I, I don't know, it's not really Cousin Billy, that's just a name I made up, but she recalls that they did have a return in Idris, but he died in, in a week because they frown upon accumulating other people's breaths. And remember from chapter two or three, for the Light Song chapter, we remember that a returned needs a fresh breath every week in order to survive. So, hence, Cousin Billy was a return for a week. And then Siri finds out that she's already married. There's no wedding ceremony. God King said they're married, and now they're married. It's official. And that's the end of Chapter 4. So, what do you think about, if you remember, the God King's palace? It's this giant black pyramid. It's a color. Okay. We established that. I know, but what do you think about it? Just this I don't remember that. Um, this compound. It stands true. out. Yeah, it stands out. Um, I didn't it's a pyramid, that. which you don't get very often in, in it's a fantasy of, setting. It makes sense, because remember that the God King was a stillborn. He, he was never birthed before he passed away and became a returned. So maybe it's sort of symbolic of the fact that he was never born. I don't know. Maybe. And, uh, Mike, you want to explain why black is a color? No. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, well, my brother actually linked a Wikipedia article. Uh, he did, and I read it, and I did not understand it, which is why I don't want to talk about it. But you're <laughs> welcome to. Okay, it's an episode discussion, right? I can't find it. Uh, Spoiler-free uh, episode discussion. Yes, spoiler. All right, so in the HSV color model, uh, hue saturation value, which is a different color model than the RGB color model, which most people, especially computer programmers, are familiar with. I mean, some computer programmers probably are familiar with others, but uh, there is a saturation, which shows you how deep your color is basically and so it's there's a diagram on the wikipedia article where it's drawn out like a cylinder and at the center of the cylinder where saturation is zero then your color is white um, but then as your color value decreases it goes down to black so black can actually be anywhere from zero to full saturation 
whereas white is only specifically zero saturation. And I hope I didn't butcher that. My brother's going to listen to this, and he'll probably post uh, some kind of update later on into the Discord, and we'll keep you guys posted. Well, so I believe that this type of color wheel uh, we've actually seen, you might see it in games and things like that, where, where they allow you to select what color you know, your your piece of armor is or something like that. You might use this, they might use this type of model rather than, like you mentioned, the RGB. I've only played Final Fantasy, and that always has RGB sliders, okay? I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. That's actually probably the only video game I've played that gives you any kind of color. But, I mean, I've seen, I've played around with GIMP. A uh, new image manipulation program. Anyway. So, you were talking about a book? <laughs> yeah, we just finished chapter four. Any questions? No. No questions. I already asked my question. Moving on. Chapter has a question. No, I don't have any questions. Five. Chapter five. We're back to Vasher. Vasher finds out about Siri. Nightblood is not a palm tree, but he's still my best friend anyway. <laughs> Restaurant at the end of the Cosmereverse, or better yet, Bistro Myth. <laughs> the Bistro Myth. <laughs> but it's fantasy, so it's Bistro Myth. Yeah. That was, that was my most clever joke. Not my funniest joke, but my most clever joke for this recording. Sorry, guys. Uh, by Nightblood. Life sense. A priest of Celestia arrives. Babid. Vasher slips his tea and sips his dagger. Oh, <laughs> I blew it. I meant sips his tea and slips his dagger. Back into its sheath. Yep, I'm sure that's what you meant. Uh... I can either confirm nor deny what I've written down in my notes. I'll release them at the end of the book. A so faction a, of the court. So uh, you have a priest that can cast either green or white mana? Yeah, exactly. There's a Babid is a priest of Celestia. He's green and white. And he's a he's a priest of Bright Vision the True. Yeah. Who's the Celestia god. My favorite guild, if I were to ever play that game again. Continuing. A faction of the court is pushing to attack Idris. And then change scene. Late song hates politics and war and can't get drunk. End of chapter five. So we're back to Vasher. This is the gentleman from the prologue who got all of the breaths from Vaj. Var. Var. I knew it wasn't the thing Tori said, but I couldn't remember the thing Tori said anyway, so I had absolutely no clue. Var. It's almost like Vasher, but without the S-E. Vash it, the it, Stampede. <laughs> I'll never remember the guy's name, even though almost every chapter has mentioned him up to this point. I can't remember his name. You know, I, I, I feel bad. I cannot remember the name of the guy in Mistborn Book 1, who is supposed to lead Yeoman? the... <laughs> I mean, no. Yaden? Yaden, yeah. I I still get Yeoman and Yaden mixed up. Var is, is Yaden, totally. <laughs> Alright. So what you're saying is Var is going to die very soon. 
in in the TV show or movie of Mistborn, Yeoman and Yaden should totally be played by the same actor. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I really want uh, I really want Woody Harrelson to just be oh god, slow swift. I wanted him to be slow swift, but I think it would be better if he were the guy. Uncle Grandpa, what's his name? Uncle Grandpa, please. Uncle Stan? <laughs> no. Um, he's the guy here? in all the books. Hoyt? Yeah, he's Hoyd, yeah. I just want who are we ta- Woody Harrelson to be Hoyd in all of the books, just as, like, as the recurring character or name of Hoyd, it's the recurring Woody Harrelson. But I also think he would be a great slow script. Okay. Also, go watch Tron. Alright. Uh, so yeah, so, um, Vosher is does something about Nightblood not being a palm tree, and he leaves him out and uh, like hangs him up on the coat rack, and someone comes and steals him. But Vosher isn't worried. He's like, whatever, I'll get him back later. This has already happened once before in the prologue. We know what's going to happen. And he's at a restaurant. He's going to meet up with a gentleman by the name of Babid, and he sees him coming because he has some kind of life sense. I think he's reached first actualization. Heightening. Heightening. I knew it wasn't ascension, but ascension would have been closer than actualization. What yeah. would it? In raising. He- like ascension. In beginning. Come on. In <laughs> beginning. Um, That's so funny. Anyway. We're going to rename it to that now. Bright <laughs> Vision's got the first in beginning, I believe. I'm sorry, Babid. He's the god of Bright Vision, the show. Who, if he's the Celestia god, which, uh, if you haven't tracked with that, that is a reference to a guild in Magic the Gathering, which is comprised of the colors green and white, which are Bright Vision's colors. Okay, so Vasher, you know, he's always on edge and suspicious. He has his dagger ready, but then when he realizes that this is the priest he was meeting up with, he slips his dagger back into its sheath, and he wants to get some info on this new queen, Siri, and about the factions in the Court of the Gods that are trying to go to war with Egypt. And then that scene's over, and we go to Light Song, and he's drinking, but he can't get drunk. And he hates politics and war. So, you know, he realizes that there's a new queen. Stops, begins thinking about the implications and the implications of his dream and all that. But he just wants to, he just wants to slack off. He doesn't, he's going to try really hard not to uh, confront his responsibilities. And that's where we are with him at the end of chapter five. Well, okay. don't just leave me hanging. Give me more. Chapter 6? Yeah. Chapter 6. Siri needs more bubbles. Yeah. Ha- Haverseth Bluefingers. And I wanted to make some kind of joke about, like, Goldfinger or Butterfingers or Blue Man Group or possibly throw in some kind of Arrested Development joke, but I couldn't come up with anything. So, Haverseth Bluefingers. He's the aforementioned clerk of the God King. And he actually wears brown despite, next bullet point, God King is of all colors, 
but his servants are Ravenclaws, movie Ravenclaws, which were blue and silver, even though I know in the books they were blue and bronze. Okay, uh, but Haverseth <laughs> blue fingers were brown. So we so, made it so he's Hagrid. through three chapters of <laughs> Harry Potter reference. I'm pretty sure you mentioned Gryffindor in chapter... Yeah. Well, I meant this ep- <laughs> for this episode. Oh, this episode. We're not done yet. Um... <laughs> Alright, uh, Siri turns into the girl on the front cover art. And finally, it's time for Siri to meet her new husband. Wink, fade out. Wink, fade out. Oh, there's a wink. Wink, fade out. I believe we had a discussion last time I mentioned wink, fade out. And Tori recalled it, but you guys didn't. And I think I even said something like, oh, if there's a wink, fade out in the next book. And Tori was like, Oh, there is. Yeah, except this this book doesn't fade out that often. It still winks. But. <laughs> so, fun fact. Brandon Sanderson wrote this book uh, when he got married. Like, in the middle of that <laughs> whole thing of writing this, he got married. Okay. That and is a fun fact. And he is very religious, and he tells us as such that um, life experiences have happened. I recall something about you saying he should take up the mantle with Game of Thrones, but that his writing style wasn't as uh, gratuitous in this area than the previous author of Game of Thrones. Uh, Not as gratuitous in a lot of areas as George Martin. (laughs) I've never read any Game of Thrones or Games of Thrones. Only Harry Potter. And there was very little sex in Harry Potter. You and I read very different versions of Harry Potter. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait it's a like, second. What the heck did Dave read? <laughs> Mike, you gotta get off DeviantArt. I don't, You're and you can't make me. <laughs> uh, Alright, so continuing, there are bubbles. Right, but not enough bubbles. Uh, so, I just... Oh my gosh. Alright. So, Haverseth shows up, and Siri's taking a bath. Well, like, she's being bathed, rather. Uh, she's getting... She's getting all prettied up for her date with God King, who has the name that I can't remember. It starts with an S. Susabron. Susabron. Or... Where is Craig? What? Why? Is it did Severin? I actually pronounce it right? Apparently not. I thought you did. You pronounce it the way I've been saying it. But Tori is correcting us. In the audiobook, they say Susebron. Oh gosh, it's Susebron. Susebron. I'm good. I'm with Craig on this one. This is oh. this is a serene asterisk. We're gonna pronounce <laughs> it this way. But I like Susebron. Okay. That I haven't met him yet. At least up to chapter six, I haven't met him. Uh, anyway, she doesn't have enough bubbles. They are uh, a little more modest in Idris than they are in Halendren. So, uh, Haverseth Bluefingers, the clerk of the God King, commands uh, the bathers to make more bubbles. And who here has seen Robin Hood Men in Tights? I have. Uh, <laughs> show of hands, yes. I just. I I was just imagining 
the the bubble bath scene from Robin Hood Men in Tights. The one with uh Richard not not Richard Karn. Richard Lewis. The Richard Lewis bubble bath scene where he's got everybody actually blowing bubbles into his jacuzzi. It's <laughs> like imagine them all around here blowing the bubbles and they have to blow harder to make more bubbles for Siri. Did anybody else imagine that? No, I, no. I think you were alone. Yep. But you've seen Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes, yes, we have. But was watching again on the other side a few weeks ago. <laughs> it totally holds up. Alright. It holds up? Good. Some Mel Brooks movies don't hold up, I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking at you, silent movie. Um I got a three, my brothers and sisters and I went sat down to watch silent movie. We got through about 10, 15 minutes, and we're like, yeah, we're not going to watch the rest of this. Uh, anyway. Bubbles. Habersith. God King, uh, Siri notes that most of God King's servants are wearing the colors blue and silver. Although, Blue Fingers actually isn't wearing blue, funnily enough. He's wearing brown. Although, his name is Blue Fingers because he's, I guess he's some sort of scribe. And he's always got blue ink on his fingers. So, actually has Blue Fingers. And insert Arrested Development joke. Alright. There's this whole subplot with Tobias TMK and the Blue Man group, if you don't know. Alright. Siri turns into the girl on the front cover art. Uh, whoever wrote this book perfectly described the dress that was on my front cover and the blue eyeshadow and everything. Whoever yeah. wrote it. Some, <laughs> some guy who wrote this book. Blue Dwarf Bill Snarf. Hey. Brando Sando. <laughs> Brando Sando. Hey, and now uh, we leave this chapter with Siri about to enter the bedchamber of the God King. Wink fade out. Pretty Any much questions? Commercial break right here. <laughs> but HBO doesn't have any commercials. Oh, sure. Well, tune in next episode. Next episode's right now. Chapter 7. Wait a sec. Fade back in. Nothing happened. <laughs> um. So, Siri ends up uh, going into the God King's chambers, disrobing, waiting for him to have his way with her, kneeling on the floor for several hours. And he's just kind of like this figure in the shadows with dark eyes and muscular build, apparently. Arnold Schwarzenegger from that really... scene in True Lies. <laughs> I can see it. Sanderson must have wrote that chapter before his wedding. <laughs> I mean, it's only chapter six. He is an outliner, though, so you have to remember that. He may have written parts of this chapter before his wedding. Anyway, uh, Susebron or Susebrin or Su Manchu, he's kind of in the shadows and doesn't do anything, and she's waiting uh, for several hours, kneeling on the floor for them to consummate, and fade out, but no wink right here in Chapter 7. All right, and then we cut back over to Light Song, and my first note is Light Song is bad at puns. This is chapter 7, page 79, if you're reading my copy somehow. Uh, 
Scoot says, Your Grace, are you enjoying the festivities? And Light Song says, Certainly. You might say, I'm positively oh. infested. That one. That's the worst pun I've ever heard from this guy. And there are some puns that are bad that makes them good. This one's just bad. But he has some good bad ones. But this particular one is bad. Uh, so he's watching these fireworks. They've got these festivities going on. And actually, he's he wants, uh, he wants Scoot to go back and enjoy the festivities with his family. Scoot is too devoted. And Lay Song's just like, what's wrong, what's wrong with this guy? And he's, he's, whatever. He gets Scoot out of there. He watches the fireworks. And then we get to meet a new return, a goddess by the name of Blush Weaver, the Beautiful, the Slytherin, Goddess of <laughs> Honesty, question mark. Uh, yeah, so green and silver. She's a Slytherin. That's so fun. she has this conversation. She's uh, trying to entice our friend Lightsong, but, you know, like, really entice him. But uh, he resists and doesn't trust her, basically. Uh, and even though she's a god of honesty, question mark. Um, she seems kind of duplicitous. <laughs> but anyway, she really wants to talk about the new queen arriving and the political implications. And of course, Late Song will have none of that. We get a little bit of history talk here. Uh, we get to hear about Kalad, the many warmonger. Apparently took the throne and started the many war, which uh, has been mentioned before. And also, other quick note, Blush Weaver has been a, or Blush Weaver's servants have been a faction in the court that were trying to go to war with Idris. But yeah, so we get, uh, we get to meet a, a new return. We get to see more of Light Song. And we get to a little bit of and backstory with Kalad. Uh, Blush Weaver. We see see a lot of blush weather. She doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. That's correct. So so she winks, but Light Song doesn't want to fade out. <laughs> it's so useful. <laughs> Told you, man. Lots of winking. Not much fading fade out. out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, uh, Dave. You said that I thought you meant that there were going to actually be sexually explicit scenes because they're not fading out. They're leaving the lights on for the act. I don't... But whatever. We'll have to read and find out. We're only on Chapter 7 so far. Uh, so, first off, Dave, do you have any questions for us? Uh, yeah. In Yogi's first Christmas... No, God. So, like, Yogi's about never had book. a Christmas before because he's no, a No, big, no, no. Abort. Abort. Oh. Uh, but Yo, but Boo Boo and Cindy are also bears, so you'd assume they hibernate. So how come they know all about Christmas? Is my question. Because maybe it takes place in the South, Southern Hemisphere. It's. I'm pretty sure. No, that's my in like Yosemite. They're in like Yosemite Park. They're in Jellystone. They're Park. in Jellystone. However, Jellystone, which is obviously a take on Yellowstone. Um. Anyway, uh, I don't really have too much. I guess. I don't have any questions that I expect you to answer. I guess the things that I'm looking forward to finding out are, I guess, what's, what are the zombies? 
Um, the, the lifeless. The lifeless. Uh, what are the lifeless? Uh, is one question. Another one is, so there's kind of like a cycle of these gods in the god court that returned. And a god king has apparently uh, been here for a while. But, I mean, I, what's the average span of a return? Like five, ten years? I think um, Blush Weather is said to have been a return for ten years. We know Light Song's been one for five. So, like, what's the average lifespan of a return? Like, their life as a return, not their past lives. Um, okay, so to your first question, lifeless are dead bodies that have been reanimated with through the use of the magic system on this planet. Oh, jeez, and they're already human-shaped, so it probably doesn't take a lot of breath to bring them up. Oh, wow, that's, that's gaming the system. Uh, to your second question, I want to say five to ten years is like a good average, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. I, I would go with something like an average of five to ten. My other big question is... I'm curious what Sue Severin is actually going to look like as someone who was stillborn and then became a returned. Will will he be like a grown man? Uh, yo, I guess well, apparently, like they are expecting him to reproduce. So, and also, he's the only. I think he's the, he's said to be the only returned that can reproduce and th- is this somehow related to him dying as a stillborn all we know is that he swole he he be swole the maps don't lie uh but he's kind of in the shadows we don't really get like, that's it we know he's swole that's all we know um so i'm curious to see i don't think we're going to take too long before we get back to Siri, but All right. I don't know if he's actually going to reveal himself to her. Do you have I'll any see. final questions? Otherwise, Tori has a presentation for us. <laughs> oh. um, no questions. I just want to point out it was really funny when uh, Bluefingers is telling Siri, like, try not to touch him too much. I thought that was because he's like sacred and no one's supposed to touch him because he's their god. Well, but... how does this even? <laughs> She's like, wait a second. Uh, I've talked to Mab about this before. I know what to expect. He's gotten the birds and the bees talk <laughs> from Mab. From Mab. stated. Okay, that's. It. I don't have any other big questions, uh, but more questions will come as I read on. All right. Um, Tori, would you like to present Dave with your presentation? Sure. Okay, so Dave, I actually talked about this last week in the spoiler section, and everyone agreed that it wasn't spoilery enough, so we could talk about it with you. So I'm just going to repeat all of this again that I already... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned DeviantArt earlier, so I had to link the adorable little picture that I found on DeviantArt <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with this podcast or what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I found a picture of a warlocktopus on DeviantArt. It's adorable. It's an octopus, but doing witchcraft or something. I don't I don't know what's going on in that picture, but it's adorable. 
He's got all the Sailor Moon logos tattooed all over his body. And isn't it just divine? I love it. <laughs> but the thing before we got off topic there. <clears throat> so in, I think it was chapter three, they mention the artisan script, uh, which is like an alphabet made out of colors. Okay. Do you remember them mentioning that? Nope. There was a peasant who wrote okay. a poem to Light Song, and it was like colored dots. Yes, I do remember now. Okay. I am going to make the artisan script. It's going to happen. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm very excited about it uh, because I used to study linguistics. So I was telling everyone about the International Phonetic Alphabet, which is an alphabet that represents all of the sounds that are possible to be made by human speech. And the way this uh, alphabet breaks down is um, down one side of the chart, uh, it mentions all of the ways that you make the sound with your breath. And across the top of the chart, it is where in the mouth and throat you make your sounds. And so I kind of did a brief breakdown of how it works. For example, there are plosive sounds. So a plosive sound is being made by a quick expulsion of air. And if you have a... Yeah, that that would be one. So a bilabial plosive sound would be like puh, like, a, like the letter P, puh, puh, puh. You're using both of your lips, and it's a quick expulsion of breath. Sounds but very the, sounds very Klingon. Yes, uh, but another bilabial plosive sound would be the letter B. Ba ba ba. You're using both of your lips, and it's a quick expulsion of breath. The difference between these two sounds—they're both made with the same part of the mouth and using the same method with your breath. The difference is one of them is voiced and one of them is unvoiced. So if you've got your hand on your throat and you can feel the vibrations in your vocal cords, when you say uh, the letter P, you're not using your vocal cords. When you say the letter B, you uh, are. Bleh. So you'll be able to feel your vocal cords vibrating when you do a voiced sound. Um, so moving further into the mouth, uh, the dental sounds. Uh, so I was explaining the plosive sounds. We're going to stick with plosive. Yeah. The dental sounds are going to be D and T. So ta-ta-ta. That's your tongue on your teeth is a dental sound. And da-da-da. So D is voiced and T is unvoiced. So there's lots and lots of different types of sounds um so going down the chart talking about where your um what your voice is doing and where your breath is there are also nasal sounds um what they call fricatives which are just um it involves <laughs> airflow um and um things called approximates so Anyway, that's that's what your voice and your breath are doing. And then going across the top of the chart where it's talking about where in your mouth and throat you're making the sounds, there's, uh, I already mentioned the bilabials, but there's also the labial dental. So that would involve, you know, one, your lips and your teeth 
um, for example, S and V. Um, uh, and then there's also palatal sounds. So those are the ones that you make on your palate. And uh, way in the back of your throat, you have your glottal sounds, uh, which would be like H. So that's a sound that you make way in the back of your throat, and it doesn't involve the rest of your mouth at all. Um, what about... Yeah, that's that's a glottal sound. <laughs> um, like Hanukkah. Uh, right. <laughs> so since since the International Phonetic Alphabet breaks down the sounds of human speech, then all we've got to do is assign colors to these sounds. Like, that, that work's already done for us. They've already broken down the sounds. So we just need to assign colors to the sounds. And I've been thinking that a good way to do it is by using these, you know, like, all the plosives would be in red shades, and, like, all of the fricatives would be in blue. I don't know. Um, but then I had the idea of voiced versus unvoiced would be like black and white. So, so this is great, but I I need when this happens, we need like somewhere on our Discord or something. The gotta be gotta be doing secret stuff sometime in the artisan script. Yes. Okay. That hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> that is a deep cut t-shirt idea that's going to go up in the store <laughs> that will exist someday. I love it. But you won't make the Saran Wrap versus the Reynolds Wrap t-shirt. Because they're trademarked. Not the aluminum and plastic aren't trademarked. No, no. Those aren't. They're not going to have the brand names on them. True. Conventicle of Saran Wrap. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a really neat idea putting the colors to it, and it would definitely be able to at least show us what the description is. And I think I tried looking to see if someone actually has done that done this before, but I didn't really find anything. You're the Reddit guy. I know. I did some digging. And Tori's the Dryad librarian. Yes, I am. All right. Is there uh, anything else that Dave needs to answer or hear yes. or anything else? I had some questions for him actually related to the chapter. So I sort of wish I jumped in beforehand. Sorry to bring you back. It's just a quick question of the overall feel of the book so far. As it compares to Mistborn Book One and Elantris. Uh, what do you think so far? We're seven chapters in. You sort of have an idea of what the central conflict is going to be. So I don't think it's as slow of a slow burn as Mistborn. What do you think so far? Like, do you do you know what's going on? Do you feel invested or infested? Slow burn. Like, so like Mistborn is ten, and this is ATM. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I think Elantris is more ATM, but sure. Well, I mean. Mistborn was a trilogy. Like we found out pretty early right, right. on in Mistborn that like Final Empire was going to be about taking down Lord Ruler, and it was and ended there. Yeah, uh, but each book did have quite a lot going on, so they were able to fit a lot in despite did it being. Book uh, one have really more. I guess it had like the relationship growing between Valoland, but it didn't really have much more going on than taking down Lord Ruler. Well, books the two first and three book? did, yeah. Books the first two and book three had it seem like the Lord Roller would be around for the whole trilogy. 
And hmm. and boy, yeah, did you find okay. that out? That was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, the apparent conflict is going to be um, a return to war between Halandran and Idris. And you know what? I, I really I wanted to mention this during the chapters, but I forgot. The farther we go, the more it seems like. King DDD actually made a wise, intentional decision to send Siri off to Halandrin, and I think we'll find out exactly what his motives were there. That might be another big added to the list of questions. Why did King DDD send Siri to Halandrin? And we get to see a glimpse of that uh, in the beginning, uh, during the non-fade out in Chapter 7, where Siri is reflecting on, like, well... Sissy had all of these, all of this training for this moment, but I'm the strong-willed, defiant one, or something like that. Something to that effect in Chapter 7. So, we kind of get the idea that maybe King DDD had, you know... Dedellin. Actually. Dedellin actually had, had actually put some thought into this decision to send Siri over there, so... I think that we're we're gonna get confirmation of that down the line. Uh, so that's good. So yeah, the main conflict is the war, and maybe Siri can, I don't know, break the war somehow. And also, the real like the chaotic neutral force in the book right now is Vasher. Whose side is he on? Like Vars was uh, in a rebellion to against God King in the Court of the Gods and Vasher promises not to let his breaths fall into the hand of his enemies but we don't know anything about this guy he's apparently against the Empire so he seems like he's an okay guy but he's just chaotic neutral right now also he has a sword that just goes off and kills people and he's like oh I was bored what do you expect? I'm a sword. <laughs> what do you expect? I'm a sword. <laughs> We're buds, dude. Me and my bud. I love this guy. I love night bud. <laughs> Wait, I have a question though. Another okay. question. Go, go. Who is better? Who is better? Nightblood from Dave the Barbarian. Or Tensoon. His best sword. It's Tensoon so far. Okay. I can't. I, we don't have enough from Nightblood for me to put him past Tensoon status. Nightblood is sword, but Tensoon is puppy. It's true. That is that is wisdom. All right. Um. That's all I had for Dave. Yeah. Let's let's. But puppies have fangs. Puppies have fangs. There's but Dave. puppies no, are no more Dave. Go away. Dave. Puppies are edible and, and swords are not. Black bear is best. <laughs> all right, Dwight Schrute. All right, bye, guys. Bye. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay, uh, I have a a couple of things. Um, First, I want to refer back to Chapter 4, where we meet the High Priest of the God King, Trilides. I don't know if you guys noticed, on this reread, I happened to notice this, how he was described, how he was first presented, and I'm getting 
some strong Pryton vibes from Trilides. He's his priestly attire is described sort of like armor. It's a different color, but I still got that same picture where it's like this weird, bulky, giant shoulder pads, armor type priestly wear, and that's how Trilides is first introduced, which I think is totally intentional because this was meant to be like a play on Elantris and sort of mess with us a little bit. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know if you guys noticed that. The whole book is the, the the overall theme of the book is I've lost the word. Subverted, subverted expectations. Yeah. yeah. The uh, thing both. that they tried to do at the end of Game of Thrones and failed to do. This is this is it done right. It's it's subverting expectations both within the book itself. So if it's the only thing you read, every character goes, or not every character, but most of the characters go through some sort of, like, the way they start and the way they end are sort of mirrored and, and opposite. Um, but it also does a lot of subverting expectations by playing on what you expect after reading Elantris or... Mistborn. So, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot going on there. Like, you're expecting the God King to be evil because everybody sets him up that way, and also, you just read Mistborn, and the Lord Ruler looks freaking exactly like the God King. Yes. Yes. Man, I didn't want to say anything or even bring up the God King this week because we know very little, but there's, you know, we spend two chapters, or at least most of chapter six, with the description of how terrifying this is going to be for Sari. So she has this image of what's about to happen, and none of that happens. But I didn't want to really bring it up with Dave, because I don't want to cast suspicion on whether he should have that expectation or not. So I just sort of let it lie. He didn't really say anything about it. Um, another thing here is, if you've seen Star Wars or read Mistborn, Rebels are good. Rebels are always good. You want to be mm. a rebel. Right. But the rebels are the bad guys here. Well, okay. A the, faction the pon, of bad guys. The, the Poth. Poncall. I writing. Poncall. Yeah, they're bad. And they're rebels. Like, but blue, then there's also the quote-unquote rebels in the mountains. But they're the Idrius, Idrians, and they're, they're cool. They're just different. Um, yeah, the, the whole thing is about subverted expectations. The the other thing I wanted to briefly mention is Light, Light Song's chapter in uh, Chapter 5, where, or actually, no, I think it was in Chapter 7. Either way, they're talking about some of the other returns. Uh, actually, I think it is Chapter 7, and Light Song's thinking about how Comseer was the last good return. You know what, Light Song? Disagree. I think you are. But he has he has to come into that. But he's still he has that. It's it's that seed, that potential that we're going to see manifest itself as the book goes on. I don't know what uh, wasn't it all mother that's that's still around who like she's whenever, okay. But well, whenever she sees her petitioner, she like actually goes out of her way to right. try to fix their problems in a way that doesn't involve her breath. True, yes. And and that is something else I noticed with Light Song. When he is set up, like his discussions with Scoot, how he's like, hey, go spend time with your family. Um, 
or when he actually looks at the paintings. Like, he takes his job seriously. He's giving a little something, even though he himself doesn't believe in his religion and what he is to these people. He's still not going to cheat them of that. He'll be lazy and he'll be insolent when it doesn't matter. But when it comes to the people, he still does what he needs to do. Um, oh, um, I would yeah. like to point out that Tori in our spoiler discussion channel uh, was kind enough to point out that Light Song told Scoot to go enjoy the festival with his family, which Scoot is already doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I I kind of felt like on, on reread, when you know that their brothers like dang it maybe that's what scoot wanted to do was enjoy the festival with his family and light song's gonna send him away oh i mean i read it as his immediate family but well yeah yeah man they're so good i i I love their interaction in general scoot and light song are best bros it's so good uh, so I don't really have anything else, and we've we've done our hour. So do either of you have anything? No, that's it for this week. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good one. Bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.